Good evening. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor John. I am blessed to be one of the assistant pastors here at Living Truth, and uh, my number's up, so here I am. You're stuck with me. And that's what I do on the golf course. Ah! Ah. Anyway, tonight's message, if, go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 7. The title of the message is The Many Looks of Sin. Sin is a, sin is a, a crazy word that we throw out all the time. But what does it really mean? What does it really look like? And how deep do we get ourselves into it? And then ultimately, how do we get out of it? It's important that we get out of it. And we have a savior for that. So what is the definition of sin? Billy Graham said this, a sin is any thought or action that falls short of God's will. God is perfect, and anything that we do that falls short of his perfection is sin. You might have heard the idea of the target. God is the target. God is the bullseye. He's the one that we're trying to go after. And they, they use the arrow, and we miss the mark. We use that analogy. We might say that sin is rebellion to God. And I don't know about you, but I'm a good one for that one. So Solomon, who wrote this, wisest man that was and says that will be, other than our Lord and Savior himself, wrote these words, and it's instructions. As we go through this process, I want you to kind of put yourself in the role. We got to, you have, you have to kind of get into it. You're going to be a little role-playing because we have to really take a good look at ourselves. I find that a lot of times I look at myself and I go, hey, I'm doing pretty good today. But if I look really close... I'm probably not doing as good as I think I am. A lot of times we get wrapped up in sin and we don't even see it. Or we excuse it. We justify it. We rationalize. We minimize the things that we do. Sometimes we might even say that I will go ahead and do it and God will forgive me. You ever use that one? I have. It's not a good thing to use, but it's truth. And that's one thing that we do here at Living Truth is speak truth. So as we go through this, I want you to try to examine yourself. Because at the end of this, we're really, I'm going I'm to challenge you. I'm going to challenge you. And I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet. So if you're at Proverbs 7, let's pray. Lord, as we come before you this evening... We just want to thank you, Lord, for this awesome opportunity to gather together. We thank you for this glorious place that you've given us. I thank you for everyone that's here. And Lord, I pray that the words that come tonight would be your words, not mine. Lord, I pray as always that when we leave tonight, Lord, we would be closer to you. We would have a greater understanding of who you are what you have done for us, Lord, and what you continue to do in spite of ourselves. Oh, we love you, Lord. We give, want to give this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we, we know that sin has the power to destroy. We know that there's only one thing greater than the power of sin, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver us from those things. So if you're in Proverbs, let's look at the first five verses real quick. It says this, my son, so it's Solomon. He's talking to his son, but I think he's talking to the sons of the nation or sons even now for us as the people of this day. The word is always good. It's for eternally good. And so it's speaking to us today. My son, here it goes right out of the gate. Keep my words. Keep my words, treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and what? Live. And the teachings as the apple of your eye, 
Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your intimate friend. That they may keep you from an adulteress, from the foreigner who flatters with her words. Now when we first look at this, we look at it and we go, this is about the adulteress, the young men being lured in, being trapped. But I think it's a little bit deeper than that because sin is much larger than just adultery. I mean, we lie, we cheat, we steal, and all these other things that we do. So it's really a bigger picture. But I think what we're going to see here is we're going to see how the progression of sin if not somewhere along the line, an intervention or a surrender of our own will over to God himself is going to destroy us. We have that option. We have that choice because God is faithful and just to forgive us, but we have to turn back with true repentance. And as we go through this, we're going to look at what's going on. We're going to put it into our own lives and our own perspective And I hope that we're going to have a better understanding of where we are individually right now. Because our walks are individually, right? I don't walk for you, you don't walk for me. However, we do support each other. But I have no control over what you do and you have no control over what I do. So it's an individual walk. It's an individual relationship with the Lord. So we want to keep these things in mind. These are... These are not only words of advice, but these are commandments. He says, keep my words, keep my words hidden in my, in my heart. I, say, I think of Psalm 119.11, it's your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So when things come my way, it's those, the word. It's the word that brings conviction. It's the word that brings healing. It's the word that turns me away from the continuing down the path of destruction that I sometimes go down. So it's more than just words of advice. It says, and the teachings as the apple of your eye. Real briefly, I want to say this about that. Is that there's a lot of things that we take in that we justify, rationalize, or minimize as something that it's not going to affect me. I can watch anything and it's not going to affect my walk or my talk or any of that stuff. I got to tell you, that's a lie. Because if I'm watching horror movies or something that I shouldn't be watching and I go to sleep, I'm going to start dreaming about that stuff. If I go, here's a perfect example. If I'm going down the 10 freeway, why do you, why do you think there are billboards as big as the moon going down the 10 freeway? What are those billboards about? Gentlemen's clubs, bars, all the places that are dark. When you go down that freeway and you see those things, if you're coming out of that background, it's a stumbling block to you. And even if you're not coming out of that background, it puts something in your mind that the imagination of your mind has a tendency to stir up. So we try to turn from those things. It's the same thing with hearing. Hearing is kind of tricky too. I've heard people say many times, I just like the beat of that music. That is so cool. And the words are just foul and disgusting. You cannot tell me that those things that go in do not have a chance to manifest themselves inside you and then come out in a different behavior. So what do we do? We stay away from those things. Okay, you said that. Okay, so I don't put that stuff in my eyes. What do I put? I put God's word in my eyes. I put God's word in my ears. I put those things, I think on those things that are lovely, beautiful, praiseworthy. I put those things on. I put off the old things. It says, bind them on your fingers. I was thinking about that, and how, how can I give you an example of that? Well, how about the old tie a string on your finger so you don't forget to do whatever it is that you're going to do? It's binding, I was tying them, I write them, and I, I, I say, look at, 
why is that on my finger? It's so that I remember not to go do this, that, or whatever it is that's stumbling me. If you have an anger problem, oh yeah, I can't get angry. You start transforming. It's called the renewing of the mind. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This thing called sin says, write them on the tablets of your heart. I already told you, Psalm 119.11. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend. There's a relationship with these things. There's an understanding as you get into this word. Solomon wrote these Proverbs for a reason. So that we would have greater understanding. There's a connection between a brother and a sister. Connection. We have to have that connection. Understanding like an intimate friend. That they may keep you from an adulteress. I call that accountability. If we're out running around someplace we shouldn't go by ourselves, we're setting ourselves up for trouble. We're setting up ourselves to fall into absolute sin. There is accountability that needs to take place. Now, can you go places by yourself? Of course. But you don't want to go to some place that's going to stumble you, some place that's going to trigger you. We're going to go into verses 6 through 23 right now. And this is, here's the progression of sin that we're going to see. That's why I brought this out here. I want you to kind of, kind of, you know, this, they, they say when you're speaking, you never use props, especially children or pets. Well, I'm children and pets, and this is a prop. So it says this, and I'm not trying to be silly, but, but it says this. Read it with me in verse 6. For at the window of my house, I look through my lattice. What's the first thing you see there? You're looking out into the world. You're not keeping your eyes focused on God. I'm taking my eyes up. Think with me about David and Bathsheba. David should have been at war, but here he is out on his veranda checking out Checking her out on where, when he shouldn't have been there at all. See, a lot of times I think that we get back here and we think that nobody can see us. Hmm. Or we get back here. And we want to know what's going on. What's going on? We want to be nosy. We want to look at other people's lives and what's going on with them. It says this. It says that I looked out through my lattice and I saw among the naive and discerned among the youths a man lacking sense passing through the street near her corner, and he takes away, takes the way to her house. Verse 9, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness, and behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. She is boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and lurks by every corner. Now you remember Solomon, whoever you want to put behind the lattice is watching all this and they're taking it all in. Remember we talked about what goes in the eyes, what goes in the ears, the hearing. He's taking all this in. Looks by every corner, verse 13. So she seizes him, kisses him, and with a brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer a peace offering. Today I have paid my vows. Liar. 
Therefore, I have come out to meet you. doesn't say liar. I kind of added that. Therefore, I have come out to meet you to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with covering with colored linens of Egypt. I have sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink and fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. Ah, for my husband. He's not at home. He's gone on a long journey. Liar. He has taken a bag of money with him. At the full moon, he will come home. With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. And suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the what? Slaughter. See the progression? As an ox goes to the slaughter, or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool, until the arrows pierce through his liver as the bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. Absolutely incredible. First we see that he's at the window. He's failed to heed God's advice. The next thing that happened is Solomon began to look around the neighborhood. He started looking and seeing what was going on. He was looking out the window to see what the world would have to offer. He never really wanted to be involved, I don't think, in what was going on in the world, but sin is very enticing. We think sometimes that the devil is some kind of a roaring monster, big tail, ears. But that's furthest from the truth because the devil wears Prada. (laughs) The devil wears Axe. The devil dresses up and looks very, very pretty. Very very alluring. Why do you think people fall into sin so easy? Because it looks pretty. Because it smells pretty. Because it tastes good. It feels good. And aren't we really about all that ourselves, right? Our flesh wants to feel good. Oh, I just want all the lovely things. I am lactose intolerant severely, and I love ice cream. I love pizza. I love ham and pineapple calzones. I could eat every day. But if I eat it, it will literally kill me. It will make me so sick that I wish I was dead. Sin is the same way. Now my reacts, my consequences come like that. I mean, within two minutes, man, I'm on the floor. But sin is very, what's the word? The sin is very progressive, slow-paced at times, like addiction. For those of you who know anything about addiction, When I got addicted to dope, it was like one line was like really cool because I could go all weekend. And then it was one little sack and then two little sacks and one big bag and then, oh man. Because it gets worse and worse and worse along the way. But it was really pretty in the beginning because man, I could do anything. I was macho man. And that's the way sin is in our life. It makes us feel like we are macho men and women, that we could conquer the world and we can do anything. But the reality of it is, is that it's out to seek, kill, and destroy. It's a tool of the enemy to destroy us. And that's what we're seeing here. 
See, Satan limits our view. Beautiful women, if that's one of your issues, money, if money's your issue, money's, oh, I gotta have all this money, power, fame, fortune, whatever your weakness is, Satan will use that. He will, he will just enhance it to where you just, I want it. And I'll do anything to get it. And I'll do anything to keep it. But the end is death and destruction. Quite often we look upon sin and watch it and and we don't think anybody's even noticing what we're doing. We, it's crazy how this works. We focus on it. We, no one will ever find out. You know, I can get away with it. And the Bible says that sin is good for a season. But then comes the judgment time. Then it comes to pay the piper. Sin will always find you out. Always, always. It's God's word, it's not my word. God says your sin will find you out. So the question, one of the questions I have to ask myself is, what sin am I wrapped up in? Because I'm really trying to do my best. And sometimes I hear things like, God's not answering my prayers and I don't understand why. Well, maybe he's not ready to answer it, of course. Or maybe he has answered and you didn't hear it. Or maybe there's some sin that's going on in your life that you don't even recognize because you're so enmeshed in it. I don't know. Those are things that we need to know. In verse 7 he says, And behold the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man, void of understanding. I don't really know if, if it was a young man or a young Christian man, but he was young either way. And he was void of understanding. He hadn't experienced maybe the things that he was about to get himself into. He was a naive young man or possibly a believer, yet had not yet learned the ways and the wiles of our adversary. Maybe he wasn't yet rooted and grounded in the ways that he should go, or maybe... It's the flip side, is that he was rooted and grounded, but so enmeshed in the sin that he couldn't see his own. See, those are things that we have to examine in ourselves. You know, when we do, when we do a communion, we say examine yourself to see that everything's cool before you partake. Now, that's about, about that, but I think that even transfers over into our own lives. Sometimes we have to just, I think sometimes we have to just sit back and take a real good look at our life to see where we're at. We're, 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 we're living in a world where evil is good and good is evil. And it's no secret that a lot of the churches, and when I say churches, that's people, are falling into this thing, all the things that are going on. A lot of people are co-signing some of the evil and now they're saying that it's good, that it's okay. When it's not really. And I think that's what happens to us. Younger people or newer believers or those who think they're getting away uh, have less understanding and they fall to the desires of the flesh. Now, there are three things that I believe that take a person out of their walk faster than anything, and that's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Any one of those three things can take us out in a heartbeat. Why? Because any one of those three things are awesome. I like looking at pretty things. I like experiencing the flesh with good things. I like to be prideful. I like to think that I'm accomplishing something. But that's in the flesh. 
Because really, there's no good thing in me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But sometimes we get off track and we forget our standing. Sometimes we forget who we are. And so, for me, that causes self-examination. What's really going on between my ears? When I come over here and I look out here and I see that naive young guy going by, what do I see? Can I be honest? Sometimes I see insecurity. Sometimes I see fear. Sometimes I, I see doubt and confusion. And that's real. Anybody else? What do you see when you look out the lattice of your house? Here's what I like to see. I would like to see two people. I would like to see myself and I would like to see God walking with me wherever I go. Whether I go to the corner, whether I go to the market, whether I go to work or play golf or wherever I go, I want the Lord to be with me. Do you not want the Lord to be with you wherever you go? But we get so consumed with sin. We get so consumed with our flesh and the pride and the ego and all that that sometimes we can't, if you excuse the pun, see the forest for the trees. And I think that's what happens. So the harlot was, was passing through the streets in verse 8. And he went the way to her house. We see the sin. And then we're enticed to follow after it. Slowly but surely, we're totally engrossed and trapped in it. There's a progression. You see, the harlot had a house there in the city, and it was no secret. Her house was no secret. The path to her door was quite traveled. In my front yard, we used to have a German, uh, Great Dane German Shepherd, and right along the edge of the fence, the, there was no grass because the dog would rup, 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 and wear all the grass away. That's what I see when I see that the door to the path of sin is well-traveled. And it doesn't have to be sexual sin. It can be any sin that beseech you. Any sin that you continue to move into. And it's interesting that the path is well-worn. In verse 9 it says, In the twilight, in the evening, in the black, in the dark night. See, the farther we follow the enticement of sin, the dimmer the gospel becomes. The dimmer the gospel becomes. It becomes dark and we can't see it. The source of light is turned off. Who is our light? Well, there comes a time when we continue to run in our sin and the light really does get dim. So he's a light unto our path. When we're following him, right? He directs us, he guides us. We get off that path, it gets dark. There's no light to guide you anymore. We stumble, we fall. You might say that the light is extinguished. The light goes out. And then the heart becomes hardened. We've been in it so long that our heart becomes hardened. In John 3, 19 to 21, it says, and this is the condemnation that the light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that do evil hate the light and neither come to the light, lest the deeds should be reproved. But he that do truth come to the light, and the deeds may be made manifest, that they are in standing again with God. So we go there because we don't like the light anymore. We rebel 
against the light. We love the darkness because we can get our own way. In the BC days, before Christ days, I'll go to bars, and bars are very dark. Why do you think that is? Because there's a lot of sin in there, and people don't want to be revealed. People don't want to be found out. Verse 10, And behold, they met a woman with the, with the attire of a harlot and a subtle of heart. She was dressed up. She had the attire. Wasn't even hiding it anymore. Out in the open. The harlot was sneaking and deceiving in her manner, but her heart was to entice a young man into a bed of iniquity. And she would stop at nothing to get what she wanted. And that's the way sin is. Sin will stop at nothing to get at what it wants. And that is this. To seek and destroy. And to kill you. See, this is really trippy. Because before we were believers in Jesus Christ, Satan already had us. And so you wonder why you're going through trials and tribulations. It says, what is all this happening? It's because there's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your life that's taking place every single day. From the time you wake up, even in your dreams, there's a battle going on. But we have to stand. We have to stand against that. And God gives us the power 1 Peter 5.8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may destroy. And get, make no, he's not a, he, he's roaring or walking around like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. So we can defend ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has greater power than anything. That is God. And once we start separating ourselves in sin away from God, we lose the protection. We become vulnerable. And let me just say one other thing. is Sometimes we blame it on Satan. I think personally, for whatever that's worth, is that I'm my own worst enemy. I'm my own worst enemy because I still live in this body of flesh. And I still want to please this body of flesh. It is a daily struggle. A daily struggle. Hey, just because you have the title of a pastor doesn't mean you don't struggle. <laughs> you haven't arrived, trust me. Ask Pastor Michael. He has, he'll, I'm sure he'll tell you he ain't arrived yet either. Pastor Chris, sitting right here. None of us have arrived. We're all still sinners in need of a savior. We all struggle with sin every single day. But we have the way to escape. That's the, that's the key, right? Satan is out to destroy us and he will not allow anything to get in the way. The only thing that can deliver us is the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 12 it says, Now she is without now in the streets and lies in wait at every corner. Doesn't give up. Even as a young woman caught in her web of enticement, this harlot is still out strutting her stuff. Sin is never satisfying. Never satisfied. Can't get enough. She's out there. She's the harlot. Totally committed to finding and deceiving anyone that will listen, anyone that will come alongside her. Even as the young man follows her home, the harlot is letting the whole world know that she has another victim and looking for even more. They're never satisfied, ever. Satan never gives up trying He's out to get everyone that he can. Interesting. Your sin is visible to everyone but you. I'm sorry, but I just can't, 
It's, it's so true. It's ringing so, so true. For those of you who know me, I come out of a background of drugs and alcohol and started, helped start a men's recovery ranch over in Norco and dealt with, I can't tell you the number of how many guys have come through the program and, and all that. And they, they start to get the concept and they get enticed. They, they get a little bit clean. They get a little bit of time clean and, and then they think that they're okay again. And, and the next thing you know, I'm doing the memorial service because they've OD'd on heroin or stepped out in front of a truck or something. That's reality. That's the reality of what sin is in our life if we don't check it. It's death. And I'm just not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death, a separation from the Creator for all eternity. So I stand up here and I chuckle a little bit. It's because it's nerves. Man, I don't want to be in that category. I don't want to be in that boat. I am a sinner and I need my Savior. I have strange thoughts all the time. I say things that, that, my, <laughs> that I shouldn't be saying. I'm a work in progress. We all are a work in progress. But that's why we need him. We need him more than ever. Because sin is standing right outside that door. I can't tell you how many times I left a church service or on my way to church and have a knockdown, drag out fight with my wife about what's going on. Satan is doing everything that he can to destroy marriages and relationships and to suck us back into the web of sin and death and destruction. And Satan knows the trick. He'll make sin fun in the beginning. Your first thoughts, there can be no wrong. It feels good, looks good, tastes good. How can it be so bad? James Brown. You guys remember James Brown? Wow, I feel good. Do, do, do. Yeah. See, there's a, there's a kind of a, a false sense of security. See, if I lean on my own understanding, I have this false sense of security. But if I lean on the Lord, I have true security. She lies to him in 7, 14, and 15. I have a peace offering with me this day. I've paid my vows. Therefore, come. Therefore, um, come forth to me, diligent to seek my face, for I have found thee. The harlot begins to deceive her victim even more by lying to him, and sin is a liar. She says, I have her best interest at heart. She acts as a protector and a benefactor. It's all a lie. She insinuates that she's given a peace offering on his behalf. Well, in the Old Testament, that was to bridge the gap and make peace between God and man. But you got to know this, is sin does not bring real peace. The peace that the world offers is only temporary, fleeting at best. But the peace that God offers is eternal. In verse 16, she says, I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, carved works, fine linen. 17, I have perfumed my bed with mirror, aloes, and cinnamon. False beauty, alluring, enticing. The end is certain death. Verse 18, come, let us fill of love until morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. Now the harlot's true nature is showing through. But now the man is at the point where he doesn't care. He is so engrossed in it, so enticed in it, so wrapped up in the sin that he can't see it. He can't see the alluring charms. He'll follow her anywhere, no matter what the cost would be. And once sin gets that full grip, there's no turning back.
I say no turning back. If you continue in it, you will die in it. But there's one that can deliver you from it. And we know who that is. The Holy Spirit. God himself. Now I know I keep saying that over, but that's the important part. See, it's, it's not so much how we run the race, it's how we finish. Because we're all going to stumble and we're all going to fall along the way. But it's how we finish the race. It's how we surrender. It's how we um, give up our own will and take on the Creator's will. 7.19 says, For a good man is not at home. She continues to lie. She continues to give him a false sense of security. My husband has gone on a long journey and he won't return soon. It's the old nobody will know type thing. And it's really strange because she uses some half-truths. But Satan is like that. He'll tell you just enough to deceive you so that you'll believe even the bigger lie. The heart of the backslider, the sinner, is really to know the truth. In verse 21 it says, With much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. Now here's that, here's that thing, right? The listening part. The stuff that goes in your ears, the tickling of your ears will have a tendency to change your mind because it sounds good. And if it sounds good, it's got to be true. It's got to be good for you. He goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter. If you've ever been to a a cattle place and seeing them herding cattle into the slaughter. It's not a pretty sight. Been down to the slaughterhouses in L.A. quite a few times when I was driving truck for a living and picking up stuff and, and just watching them lead the cattle into slaughter. It's not pretty. And it says in verse 23, till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hate to the snare and knoweth not the it is for his life. But, and I love everything after but, that's not the end of the story, is it? Let's look at verse 24. He says this, now therefore, therefore what? All the stuff that we talked about. All that stuff we talked about. My sons, here we go. Listen to me. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For, for many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are the slain. Her house is a way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. He says, once again, listen, pay attention. These things I'm going to talk to you about, these things I'm going to tell you are true. And not only are they true, they are life and death. Pay attention. It's important. There are many, many mighty men and women of God who have fallen to Satan's little tricks, to his little henchmen, his little seductive power that he has. There are many pastors who have fallen many, many times for just, just giving in for a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of passion, a little bit of sinful living because they, I don't know why. I mean, it's crazy. When you, when you look at what you have to offer, when you look at what you have, when you understand your position in Christ, all that stuff is is not even worth it. But here's the rub. Here's the struggle. And we all know this. We're in this body of flesh. And I like the lust of the eyes. I like the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. I like all that stuff. My body likes that stuff. 
And so there's that battle that's going on. But we have this victor. There are many, many prayer wars, soldiers in the armies, mighty men of faith that have fallen and have become careless. And we can never think that we're not going to fall. We can never have the attitude that we have arrived because that's pride. Pride comes before a fall. Her house, in verse 27, is the way to hell. Going down to the chambers of death, the young man is completely ensnared now, and there's no turning back. The sin is done, and the innocence is dead. He has no power to decide to, decide to leave. He cannot resist the sin on his own power. He's led away as a slave in chains, unaware of the results of yielding to sin's seductive power. When we decide to follow sin, when we decide to be so totally enmeshed in it, we have really given up. Here's what I want you to do. Bear with me, okay? Because we don't normally close this way. So, but I want to do something just a little bit different because that's who I am, just a little bit different. What I want you to do is I want you to pretend that you're behind here. And I want you to look at, out there at that person, that naive young person that's walking on the street. I want you to put yourself in that person over there, but I want you to put yourself watching yourself. that make any sense? What sin do you see when you look at yourself in the mirror or when you look at yourself walking down the street? If you put yourself in that same situation, I already revealed some of my stuff. Insecure, vulnerable, sometimes not trusting, inadequate. I feel inadequate a lot. I feel inadequate a lot. Those are things that I need to work on, right? Those are things that I know that I need to work on. The question, what do you need? Do you recognize anything in your life that you need to work on? I want to ask you this question. Just one question, Pastor Michael. If you have one thing to work on, I want you to raise your hand. If you have a whole bunch. Now I want to ask you to do one more thing. And this is, this is you know, you don't have to do it. But I want you to come up here around the altar. I want Pastor Michael, I want Pastor Chris, and any other, Pastor Mike back there. I want the pastors to come up. And we want to pray. We want to pray that we would be examiners of ourselves. We want to pray that we will try to the best of our ability, through the power of the Holy Spirit, not to fall back into these things again. It's time for us, listen, the time for us as the church to man up, to woman up. People are coming in from the outside. They're dictating the way the church should be. And it's not right. Good is being, being looked at as evil. Evil is being looked at as good. It starts right here in the church. Now listen, we have to walk together. We have to walk together in unity. And there can't be, there, there can't be unconfessed sin in the camp, really. I mean, we have to acknowledge the stuff that we have. I just said right there, everything that I said is true about myself, the way that I feel about myself. I'm inadequate. I feel inadequate. People tell me that I'm not. But it doesn't change the way I feel. I want to feel like I'm adequate. I want to feel like I'm responsible. I want to feel like I'm a good husband and, and a good pastor and a good friend. That's what I struggle with. I'm vulnerable. I'm a sinner, saved by grace, and I need help. Do you? Come on. Come on up. Let's pray. Let's pray together. There's power in togetherness, amen? If you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. That's fine. You don't have to. And I know that it's a little bit different, but you know what? We all need help. 
And this is, to me, this is just a sign that we're willing to acknowledge, that we're willing to acknowledge that we are sinners saved by grace and that we're not perfect and we need help. We need help that only that God can give us, amen? I mean, we are, we are wretched, wretched sinners. And the only one that's going to deliver us, help us, mold us and shape us into what we're supposed to be is the creator himself. So would you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you tonight, I just want to thank you, Lord. Gosh, I just want to thank you, Lord, that you heal us, Lord, from the inside out. I want to thank you for everyone that's walked up here, Lord Jesus, that have recognized, Lord, as they have looked through the lattice or looked through the shade of the window, that they recognize even in themselves, Lord, that they still need work. Lord, we all need work, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to cleanse us from all this unrighteousness, Lord. And, and Lord, we want to be, always be in your will and not out. So, Lord, as we come before you, we humbly come before you, Lord, asking, Lord, that you would heal us, that you would do whatever it takes, Lord, to mold us and shape us into your image. Lord, for those of us who feel inadequate, Lord, let us, be, let us feel like we are. You know, if, if we if we have an anger issue, Lord, if we hold animosity against somebody else, Lord, if our marriages are struggling, if we have a health issue, Lord, all those things, if the enemy is just piling things on us, Lord, and, and making us feel however it is we feel, Lord, help us, Lord, to just always remember. There's a couple of things, Lord, I'm so grateful for. Lord, that feelings come and go, that they're just feelings. But Lord, you're on the throne. <laughs> Your word is permanent. Your, your, your word, your encouragement is everlasting from beginning to end, whatever the end is. Oh, Lord, I thank you for everyone up here. Lord, I pray that as they go tonight, Lord Jesus, they would be cleansed from the inside out, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would be a little bit closer to you. I pray, Lord, that they'd be a little bit more aware of their surroundings and of the things that they take in, the things that they listen to, the way they present themselves, Lord, that they would just be a little bit closer to you that way. We always want to honor you, Lord. You, you truly are, Lord. There's this thing going, Lord, where we're losing our reverence for you, Lord, and we always want to honor you. We want to glorify you. And that's whether we're inside the walls of this sanctuary, Lord, or we're out in the street, the workplace, Lord, we just want to always honor you. So help us. Help us, Lord, in our struggles. Lord, be with us. Encourage us, Lord, that we may strengthen each other. God, I just thank you for this evening, for this time together. Just ask, Lord, for your, your blessing. Traveling mercies going home. And in Jesus' most precious name, amen.